And Levy, what are you doing? Just a little bit. What? <laughs> I'm just shaking. I, don't, I can't not. <laughs> He's trying to get that cush core tire lever in. <laughs> 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 Hello, world, and welcome to episode six of the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mike Levy. I'm here with all three of my bosses. Number one boss, Brian Park. Also, Brian, is it true that you were top 10 BC Scrabble champion? Yes. He admits. (laughs) Casimir is here as well. Casimir, how's it going? Did you ride this weekend? It's going great. Yeah, rode both days in the rain one day. Torrential downpour. Very muddy. Very muddy. Yeah. Yeah. And we're also here with the master of the news, James Smirthwaite. James? <laughs> Hi, Mike. How's it going? <laughs> Did you like that? Master of the news? Yeah, I've had better. Really? Master of the news? <laughs> what if he was like director of clickbait or something? That'd be a good Oh, idea. I think that's... Yeah. I mean, then it would yeah. become master just, baiter and then it would be a thing. <laughs> uh, correct. Director. Yeah. Just thinking out loud here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you allowed outside? Uh, for like an hour a day. I can ride to the trails and then back again, but not enough time to hit the trails. <laughs> that is, that can is you ride to the trails and then just wait like 24 hours if you camped at the trails and then waited that you could ride tomorrow for an That's hour? That would be against the rules. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The, the lockdown police might be after me. Uh, Do they wear funny hats? Uh, oh, yeah, they have to. That's I mean, the law. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you call like, what British police officers? Are they called bobbies? Bobbies, right? bobbies on the beat, yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you guys actually call them bobbies? Like when when you see a cop coming, do you go, shit, it's a, it's a bobby. Put away the weed. Yeah, that's, yeah. Put away the spotted dick. Here come the bobbies. <laughs> oh my God. That's the most <laughs> British sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the bobbies and the lorries. <laughs> spotted dick. Can you tell, can you tell me what spotted dick is? Uh, it's just fruitcake. It's just like stodgy fruitcake. Fruitcake. It sounds, it sounds horrible. It probably tastes delicious. Would you take it on a ride with you? Um, yeah, you'd normally have it hot, maybe just before a ride. You could put it in your bib shorts and warm it up during the ride. <laughs> yeah, okay, January so ride, yeah. James Smirthwaite, our news, our newsman, James Smirthwaite, his ride snack is spotted dick. He warms it up in his bib shorts. Casimir, what's your ride snack? Uh, my ride snack, if I'm going to a gas station, I'll buy some Nutter Butters. I like those. I don't think we have those in Canada. What the heck are those? It's like a cracker. It's like cracker with peanut butter in between, but it's like sweet. It's more closer to candy than than like a healthy cracker. They're good. It's basically peanut butter crackers that taste better. They have sugar in them. Brian, when you go on adventures, what are you eating? I'm a sucker for gas station pepperoni. Oh, yeah. I miss that stuff so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Are you not eating meats these days? I haven't eaten. Well, I mean, that's not entirely true. <laughs> I'm supposed to be not eating meat, but every now and then I accidentally eat a hamburger with bacon on it. I, I hate it when that happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also had pizza with crumbly bacon on it. So I do have a good story though. The speaking of hamburgers and gas station snacks. So a guy I used to work with at a bike shop named John Taylor back in the day, he used to be like quite a strong XC racer and his thing, this is like back in the nineties, I assume early two thousands. Sorry, John, I don't know how old you are, but um, he used to line up at the start line with two Big Macs in his, in his Jersey pockets and a cigar in his mouth and he would light up the cigar at the start line waiting for the start and he's I like pretty him already he's, yeah he's right at the front <laughs> and he would just psych everybody out smoking a cigar and eating one of his big macs at the start line just waiting and then everybody would go and 
the first time he would attack, he would make sure he was attacking while chowing down on his second Big Mac. I thought you were going to tell me the first time he attacked, he barfed. No, yeah, no. I could not just do that. Cleansed his insides. <laughs> yeah, <that's> maybe, <laughs> maybe it was just a weight savings thing. But no, yeah. I think it was a mental warfare thing. Like, how pissed would you be if you're in like peak shape, you've been training, and some guy passes you smoking a cigar and eating a Big Mac? There are some tricks. It's it's all up in the head. My favorite one is: no matter how much I'm dying, I gather all my strength, very calmly grab my bottle take a sip of it and say, this is a beautiful day or whatever, you know, just super calmly. Like I don't even need a drink. I've used that before, especially on the road bike. And a lot of times the people just, if they're hurting, they, they think I'm not. And when I'm dying, you know, and they give up, it's great. This is when you're racing them and they're not racing you, right? Isn't that, yeah. that's how I prefer all my races to be. <laughs> <laughs> just a little old lady on the street yeah. passes by. <laughs> I smashed her. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the news here. James is going to tell us what's going on on the website over the last week. James, take it away. Sure. Um, I liked the announcement from Privateer. Uh, Privateer uh, are a British direct sales brand. This is the release of their first bike properly. Uh, we saw it at Eurobike and it's not really changed too much. But the idea behind those guys is, is they want to build bikes for privateer racers. So they want them to be kind of bomb-proof and easy to maintain. Um, but I think the big selling point with this one is the the price tag. So in the US, just over $3,000 for a, a pretty spot-on spec, I think. What did you guys think of that one? Yeah, it seems good. I actually have a frame now. They sent me a frame. Uh, so I built it up. The Well, let's see. I built it up last week, and I've got a couple of rides in on it. It's definitely bomb-proof and not light. I think with a shock, frame and shock is like 10 pounds. So you're looking at total bike weight it's probably oh my gonna, god it's yeah 10 pounds frame and shock so it's a yeah, you'll, you would have to put a lot of light parts to get it below 34 pounds like with yeah it's going to be a 35 to 37 pound bike do people um, care that's the thing i mean for the price you can't really be too picky there and that's a solid spec i built mine the way i have it sitting now it does have a lot of it's pretty similar to the way that they spec theirs just to kind of see like i put the slx drivetrain on there i put that 38 on it but yeah a couple rides in so far it's definitely an interesting bike big solid super steep c2 bangle and it's on that downhill side of the spectrum for sure like i wouldn't take it out for an xc ride because right but would you take it out as a privateer enduro bike i think you can go fast on it yeah it's it's big and long and slack and all of those things it might be almost too much bike for some races but like whistler somewhere like that could be good so i guess like too much bike casimir i don't think i've ever heard you say too much bike yeah for racing yeah for sure there's certain some of those ews courses need like a little bit less travel almost or at least a more nimble bike well remember though that what cody kelly or somebody needs to attack an ews course and what i need to ride that same terrain might be a different bike yeah but like if you're racing ireland and the 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 trees are like two inches apart and you got to trim your bars down and stuff you might not want to be in the longest slackest bike out there fair but either way like i said two rides in it's solid it went together without any major issues and i'll just start riding it more okay next up um just before we start recording actually we put this up and that was the potentially the new specialized status so the status probably stopped stopped being a thing you know five to ten years ago and it was a cheaper version of the demo effectively um aimed at you know maybe someone who wants to get into downhill for the first time something like that so it's, it's been teased on instagram with pro bmxers such as chase hawk and sean rickany and it looks like a trail bike. It looks like it might be a mullet bike, but it's an aluminium frame, SRAM NX group set, Fox rhythm components. So again, I think we're looking at potentially sort of a, a cheaper trail bike for Specialized if it is the status as we think it is. Well, it says 
status on the down tube so it's certainly a status and specialized owns the spa- the status name so for sure that's what it is <laughs> i think it's cool if, especially if it comes in at a reasonable price point and it's kind of cool to see him using these you know pretty well-known bmx guys to promote it just a little different tactic and i had the original status back when that came out i love that bike just same thing kind of cheaper bomb proof and i spent a ton of time on a status as well too it's just aluminum and solid and nothing wrong with it i think Along the same lines as the privateer frame that we just talked about. I mean, I think that it makes so much yeah. sense. You remember the Specialized Pitch? That was another bike that was like, oh yeah, bike. yeah. yeah. So. Pitch was a great bike. I know a lot of people were grumpy when it went yeah. away. So hopefully this is kind of just a return of that. It'd be cool to see. How cool is it to see Chase Hawk on a mountain? I like bike? that. I haven't looked at the comments on that article. Are people are people commenting on how much it looks like a couple of other bikes out there? Oh yeah, for sure. They're kind of saying you know it looks it does look like a Candell Habit, which actually looks like the older Stump Jumper. So. You got to go back to which but it also looks a bit YT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, it looks like specialized. Yeah, horse link rear end, rocker link. Yeah, it, it does look like an old specialized. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. cool. Nick Proof so called limited edition reactor ST. It's probably debatable whether it, it, it should be called limited edition or not. It's, it's basically a respec of the standard reactor. So they've you know shortened the travel a bit, which is steepened up the angles, put some lightweight components on it. Uh, it's, it's sort of a, a different way to uh, to to experience that bike, I guess. Quite interesting to see a bike shortening. Uh, sorry, a company shorting a bike as opposed to making a longer travel version. Do you, do you think maybe that's something we could see more of? As as you know, this this down country thing becomes more uh, more fashionable. It's definitely not a down country bike, but I think it's also a real easy way for companies to offer like so-called limited edition models just by short shocking and short forking something. It's a, I imagine it's a relatively small investment for what they can maybe say is a, an entirely new platform. I mean, brands will do a good job of finding places where they can share components for all kinds of stuff. The current generation of stump jumper front triangles is all the same across a super wide number like different travels different everything and you can long shock them too so in this case they didn't change a they didn't change a link or anything else but it's nice to see brands giving options yeah. that's one of the nice thing actually kind of like with metric shocks now that's one of the reasons it's easier these days to have the same shock eye to eye and then just different stroke length gives you a different amount of travel it's just a spacer in there so it's pretty simple for companies to just pick the travel amount they want and build around that Okay, speaking of short travel bikes, uh, Danger Home's back. He's got another wild creation. This time, what he's calling a BMXC bike, um, which is a a Scott Spark that that comes in two configurations. There's sort of a trail mode and a a full-on cross-country mode. This guy's awesome. I like him. I have to say. Mm -hmm. This guy, anytime anybody is doing anything kooky and strange and doing it themselves, I'm a huge fan. And this guy is doing some really neat stuff. These bikes are pretty cool. He's got good costumes too and big muscles. Also that. <laughs> big thigh. <line. Yeah. laughs> Could you imagine telling telling him like whenever he was like in high school, it's like, you know what you're going to be doing in 10 years? You're going to be like sanding bike parts down and brands will be paying you to feature their products because you're sanding their shit down and destroying it for the internet. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> the best thing about that uh, BMXC Scott Spark is is his his version of twin lock mm-hmm. did you guys yeah that? i did yeah yeah we've talked a lot of smack on twin lock in the past because i don't think any of us are really fans of too much clutter on the handlebars and it just switches the the travel amounts of your rear shock but this one he actually made the remote it locks out a shock and it can use his dropper post with it as well so it's super clever i'm not sure that it would be that practical but it's pretty cool yeah. for a very specific yeah use. the whole bike looks great and 
yeah, it's worth checking out. From one black and chrome bike to another, then the cycle works wild here. I've got to be honest, I was eight when this bike was released. I don't really know much about it. Um, what 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 did people think of this at the time? Was this like a dream bike of the day? I don't think it was. I never really. I don't know much about it either. So I wanted I, one. I had heard about them. I definitely seen one of these things in in Mount Bike Action or something like yeah. that. Probably written by RC. Um, and I mean, at the time it was way out of my league. So, I mean, of course it was a dream bike and hindsight, probably not, but it is really yeah. neat. What were you looking at Levy? The mountain cycle San Andreas and the gray market pages at the back of oh, it. Yeah, that, one was good. <laughs> that or some weird foes or something. The like weasel. That, I'm sure. The foes weasel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the best part of that cycle works wild hair is somebody mentioned in the comments that that XTR is the best generation of XTR. It looks it so is. good. Yeah. That gray. That's the eight speed XTR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the logo is sick. The color is perfect. Yeah, classy. Do you think it's just that those were our best years, though? So we like identify like that was the best XTR because that's when I was the fittest. I don't think I peaked in '99. I like to think that wasn't my peak, but I'm not sure. No, no. (laughs) I've it's all been downhill since '99 for me. (laughs) Meanwhile, James is like, "What the hell? The current XTR is perfect." Oh, whole gears. Uh, Kushkor have um, brought out a new tie lever, which on the face of it doesn't sound particularly exciting, but this one's a bit different. Uh, Mike, I can see you actually have one right now. Do I, or is it a butt plug? <laughs> it's a big so, don't limit yourself. <laughs> it's got a, I mean, it's got a, a rubber grip and it's got a, a thumb flange. And uh, I mean, have you tried it? Can you tell a functional difference there? No, I haven't tried it. I used it. We had it at the <laughs> field test. When I had to put Kushkor in the uh, in our Hukta flat bike, and it does work well, it okay. didn't break or snap. And if anyone's installed Kushkor, uh, certain installs can be a super, just a big pain. And this one makes it easier. It didn't break, so oh yeah, it did. Work. How does it work as a butt plug? I haven't tried it. I was leaving that to you. That you're going to do that part of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but we should really commend them for you know multifunctional stuff is great. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. You know unitaskers <laughs> are the worst. Yeah. It's all about minimalism yeah. and multifunctional mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. That's great. And, but I think it has a lifetime warranty. Are there, I never really checked the warranty of my tire levers. Are there other tire levers with lifetime warranties? Yeah, to be fair, I have broken a couple tire levers over the past few months. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, we'll finish off the news, unfortunately, with some more coronavirus cancellations. So the EWS announced their new race calendar and four races we previously thought were going to go ahead and now not going ahead so we're down to a five round series now that starts at the end of august just in the past couple of days we've had the alpstad xc world championships also cancelled and today eurobike announced it had been rescheduled for november and is running a slim down program probably not the last we're going to hear of these i think it's going to be interesting for the athletes because if these races do go off they're going to be coming off the longest off season ever and then once the races are done, they're going to probably have the shortest off-season ever going into next season. So. <laughs> it is crazy that there's no EWS Whistler this year. No, that's sad. I'm, I'm sure the Europeans have been thinking about, have already experienced all this. But for us, it's like, that's the one, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, holy, wow, like actually not happening. So that's it for the news. We're going on to a Q&A section now. So we love you guys asking questions. Sometimes you guys ask some pretty amusing questions. Uh, sometimes you guys ask some serious questions, and we're going to look at both in here. Uh, so the first one is from PB user Dr. Fuzz with three Zs, and he wants to know, both Mike's and Brian, what are the most fun bikes you've ridden over the last bunch of years? Casimir? Yeah, for me, uh, I think I answered this question in the comments. I said it was the 2015 Trek Fuel EX because that bike was crazy light. I think it was 24 pounds. 
But I ended up riding it in a bike park and riding A-line on it, which you're definitely not supposed to do. But riding A-line on a 24-pound XC-ish bike is really fun. So uh, yeah. that bike was a good one. Look at you ahead of your time, down country. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you, Brian? Well, I was off the bike for a long time with, with shoulder injuries and, and stuff. So for me, it's like every single bike I ride, I'm like, this is the greatest bike ever. And that's also why I don't review bikes. I really enjoyed my stump jumper I had last year. But it was also the first new bike I'd ridden in three years because I was off the bike for so long. So that that was the most fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that making a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I rode I rode a Bronson last year, and I I thought that bike was a ton of fun. Just little wheels and and lots of lots of shocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, you guys are gonna roll your eyes, but it was probably uh, relative to the time it would be one of those early generation Ripleys. You know, they're really short. They were steep. We look at the Geo now. I know you guys are like, wah! But back then, it was light and a ton of fun. Yeah. Put big tires on it. But what about now? Like, I think the question is oh, like... Of course not. They want to know... I think it was in relation to all these bike reviews that we do. We always focus a bit on performance and speed and this and that. But ultimately, a lot of people are just looking for like just fun, jibby type of stuff. Are there modern bikes that you would put into that, Levy? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the one that comes to mind is a bike that I've actually been riding a bunch right now is that new spot rive and then if i go back farther to the the field test that we did in pemberton that that giant trance advanced pro short travel 29er all black that thing was a great little bike that was the field test we did in whistler that was two years ago (laughs) no time Time flies when you're having fun Mm -hmm. also when you're not paying attention i mean there's a lot of fun bikes on there but i think most of my fun bikes lean towards the shorter travel lighter versions of them um, yeah. So next question, talking about things breaking. So Ben Moon, no wait, Ben Moose Man, what about the Rocky Mountain Slayer? Any info on what happened to the bike during the field test? Any specifics? No, we haven't gotten an update. Um, we're just, we're waiting. Well, we were hoping to find an answer as to why it broke and so that we could feel good about getting back on it and doing some more testing we haven't gotten an answer we haven't gotten really a follow-up beyond the initial one from them that it um they did a bunch of testing they broke a bunch like did a bunch of destructive testing on bikes to see if they could recreate what happened to ours and they couldn't so we did hear that another journalist at another publication broke his in a similar way um but that was a true pre-production bike so at this point we don't know we don't know that was actually before us too yeah yeah. Right, but we only found out about it after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at this point we'll we'll wait and see. It doesn't sound like they've had any consumers breaking them issues and their athletes haven't been breaking them. So at this point it's a it's a wait and see game. I very much hope they're okay. <laughs> All right, there you go, Ben Mooseman. Next up, the Gru. The Gru is having trouble getting used to demo bikes. He said he needs three or more runs to get the spen- the suspension halfway correct. Struggling with brakes that he's not used to. The Gru, welcome to my life. What can what can the Gru do to get used to bikes quicker? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to be demoing bikes, you're going to have to demo some more and kind of let the little things go when you're trying out the bike. You got to think about the overall big picture because if you get obsessed with having it exactly perfect on that first demo ride, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So you know, make sure the suspension is set up correctly, the right amount of sag, that type of thing. But um, just stressing about the tiny issues is going to make your demoing life a lot harder. Okay, next up is Simon87. And his question is basically, why do people buy bigger bikes than they need? Why do people ride bikes with more travel than they need? 
because big squishy bikes are fun for a lot of people. I mean, it's just kind of that you can't shame someone for having too much travel on their bike. Like if a guy wants to roll up, watch me. Yeah, I know you will. We're kind of get to that. I think we're going to talk about this in more in depth later on in the podcast today, but, um, yeah, people just want to be comfortable and sometimes they buy bikes that maybe they don't need all that travel, but if it makes them happy, more power to them. Okay. So we've got a new, a new section for pink bike podcast called comment gold, which is exactly what it sounds like. You guys write a lot of funny shit. Sometimes you guys are mean though. Sometimes you guys write mean stuff, but a lot of it is (laughs) (laughs) only on the inside, not on the outside. Uh, but a lot of what you guys say is pretty amusing. So we're each picking our favorite comments of the week, uh, and we're going to read them off. Casimir? Yeah, mine is from, one, yeah, mine is from one of our checkout articles. Just going to round up a bunch of gear we have in. And this is from Rob Why Not. And he said that, ah, oh, I saw a Swiss dropper post and totally hope to see it include fold-out scissors and a toothpick. Let me chuckle a little bit. I was imagine, When I was a kid, I loved Swiss Army knives so much. It's like my favorite thing. And that toothpick's awesome. So I saw uh, Jay Fleming 10. Um, we did a, a new, uh, updated race calendar and he, uh, he wrote a headline for us, which was, uh, UCI announces plans to pretend racing will still happen in 2020 for the next three months. That's very <laughs> <And pretty> good. <laughs> probably not too far wrong there. Yeah. I have just seen actually that, um, Quebec has canceled large public events until August 31st. So that could be Monson and saying goodbye as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's nice that people what else can organizers do other than organize? So it's not crazy for them to try and organize things. And then as soon as we just keep organizing things and then canceling them until we don't have to. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with what the UCI is doing, but it does seem like every time these announcements come out, it's like, eh, or sure, sure. They're being a little optimistic. Or maybe we're being a little pessimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with a little optimism right now. Yeah. So my favorite comment is from the Hunt e-bike wheels. It's from a PB user named Norcal Nomad. And he says, all these e-bike parts are really just the free ride level of parts of old. And he's not wrong. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Nailed it, Norcal Nomad. Brian, did you, did you get a comment? Yeah, I struggled. I really liked uh happy panda 1337 didn't get a lot of love on the site um but he basically pointed out that in a in a a brand's press release like somebody was asking about aren't all carbon bikes handmade this and that and he just said when when a company has handmade in their marketing materials they really mean not made in china and it's just a buzzword like organic for food and stuff and I think that's spot on. All the things are handmade. If if they weren't handmade, you know, like a pole or whatever, that would be interesting and different. But there's a lot of xenophobia built into, or just wanting domestic manufacturing. So nothing wrong with that. But let's just say it for what it is when we're saying handmade. So a serious one to end it off. That's my comment goal for the week. Yeah, that's not funny, Brian. No, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I give like a- you can give comment gold for for a real comment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it doesn't have to be funny. It could be serious. Okay, so we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, We sort of hinted at it earlier with Simon87's comment, his question asking why people buy bigger bikes than they need. Casimir, you and I have talked about this a lot over the years. I'm definitely a person who usually prefers a shorter travel bike, maybe a little steeper angles where, I mean... I think I usually see you on longer travel bikes. What do you prefer, Kaz? I prefer the right bike for the, what I'm going to be doing with it. 
I don't know. If well, there's no such thing as that though. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that luxury. A lot of people buy one bike to do. And the, do you buy the bike for what you ride 90% of the time? Or do you buy the bike for what you hope to really enjoy 10% of the time? Or alternately, do you buy the bike to help your strengths where mm. you want to be better? Or do you buy the bike to help your weaknesses where you need to be better? Yeah, I don't know about we like buying it for the weakness or your strengths. Like I would buy the bike for the riding I do majority of the time. So it would probably be a little bit longer travel bike, um, something that I could take to the bike park, but I could still pedal. But again, it just kind of depends. Even if you were, you're buying a bike for the terrain you ride 90% of the time, a lot of times you could beef it up with bigger tires or do some changes to make it work for your yearly trip to the bike park or something like that. I don't know. The underbike, overbike thing, it turns into this kind of weird like travel shaming, like Levy gets mad when bikes have too much travel. I can see him get visibly uncomfortable and he starts saying the word gushy and mushy, but like, I don't mind having a bike with some travel. Like that's fine. I like when Levy does this one, like, yeah, my bikes don't usually do that, but I also do like our little short travel, you know, speed machine too. So I'm fairly neutral on this, but Levy, you're more opinionated on this. Let's hear what's your, why would somebody like, why do you think if someone has more travel than you feel is acceptable for their terrain? What's wrong with that? There's definitely nothing wrong with it. It's just bikes go out there and have fun, whatever. But it's my job to think about bikes and to talk about bikes. Um, and a lot of times people are on bikes. They're riding bikes that have way more travel than they need and are slacker and it's more tire than you need to. And the way that I think about it or the way I might explain my point of view would be this. So you're out on a bike ride. It's all those small things that add up, like when you go sliding through a corner and you keep your feet up and everything works out just right, like the counter steer is just right. It's all these little things that make the rides so amazing. And when you're on a big, huge bike with a lot of travel and giant downhill tires, more tire than you need, it's harder to have those moments. You have those exciting moments just more often. Well, that's the thing, right? But we're not talking about speed. A lot of it comes down to just the terrain itself. You know, where I live here in Squamish, it's, it's fucking rowdy and scary here in a lot of places. And I have some big bikes when I go ride big, scary trails because those are the appropriate bikes. But they're not always the appropriate bike. And I think they could do more harm than good sometimes. They can make it harder for people. People have less fun. I mean, there's definitely smaller bikes make worse trails better the the whole resurgence of gravel bikes and stuff is is evidence of that you see you see i mean gravel bikes are basically the 90s as capable as 90s mountain bikes and people are riding them on 90s mountain bike terrain and then some going into stuff underbiked does make the terrain more fun it's like it's like having snow on the ground in your car and you feel like a rally driver right but you can feel like a rally driver at 30 kilometers an hour instead of 100 kilometers an hour oh, exactly <clears throat> Up to a point, though, Levy, do you remember a few years ago we were riding Gargamel, a trail a little north of Whistler, pretty steep, nope. rowdy trail. Don't remember, blocked it out. It was a steep rock section, and I rode down it, stopped at the bottom and looked up, and then I just hear this clip-clap of cleats on the rock as you're walking down, holding your Rocky Mountain okay. element. Okay, so first of all, Gargamel is a super rowdy trail. Secondly, I was on a pure XC race bike with a 100-millimeter RockShox RS fork, RS1 fork on the front, and yeah, that's not, obviously that wasn't ideal. I walked that part. I do want to say for the record though, I rode everything on that trail except for like that 50 foot rock. That is it. You were still walking on you... a mountain bike. That's weird. Yeah, it wasn't the right bike for the trail. I was way too underbiked. 
what would the problem have been being was it more fun because you were underbiked for the rest of it no i was being stupid (laughs) there you go (laughs) that's what i was gonna get out of you (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) sometimes it's fun to ride the wrong bike in places where you shouldn't be riding it um it's also an excuse sometimes Maybe I'm on this little bike and I get to something and I'm like, ah, I don't feel like riding that. Well, look at me. Now I have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. If you do have your big like enduro downhill bike thing, you don't really have excuses. So if you come to a road gap or something, you have to be like, oh, oh, I have to do it. So I think my, I look at it as it's not about the speed. Like I'd like to go fast, but it isn't about the actual speed. It's just about the fun, exciting moments that come from getting a little bit out of shape. And those moments come to me way more often and sooner on an underbiked bike than an overbiked bike. So why do you like 29 inch wheels that much then? Cause wouldn't that be the case even more with, with small wheels? Well, I mean, you could make that, you could also say, why are you riding a rigid bike? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I guess that's fair. Tw- 29 inch wheels. I love climbing. I love technical climbing and they make that quite a bit easier. Um, yeah. But it seems like, it seems like you are catering to your strengths with the, with the small bikes. So it didn't actually start that way. So I used to be a terrible climber, especially a technical climber. And that's when I started riding all these short travel, steeper, quicker handling bikes, because that was my weakness. And we rode a lot of sketchy moto trails where I lived and, and I was riding six inch travel bikes and it wasn't fun. So I got on four inch travel bikes and all of a sudden those trails were fun. And now I'm a better technical climber. Maybe I could ride longer travel bikes now. And I am here in Squamish. Definitely. Levy's going to get on a on a big squishy enduro bike and all and then like in six months he's just going to be the full enduro bro just sending yeah. Pemberton train gap no problem yeah once he gets there. you know <laughs> these things like the new enduro that's sitting right here uh that Highlander I had I mean I'm not going to tell you that these bikes aren't amazing and don't make me feel like a rock star on the rowdy stuff like that's not Let's not get it twisted. They're ridiculous and they make you feel like a rock star. And I think that's why we all mountain bike. We want to shred and go fast. And if we're going to spend $6,000 or $3,000 on something, we don't want a bike that makes it harder to have that fun, do we? So that's why people overbike. I was going to say, I think I think that's kind of where, where I come to it. It's probably like the, the least capable rider here. Like I love the idea of underbikes. Like I... I Something like a street BMX where it's no brakes, one gear, like super pure. I love that idea. But when I hit the trail, like a bit more squish for me as a less good rider, that makes me feel better. I have more fun. I go faster. I'm less scared. So counterpoint to that, on the Mondraker, I had a set of 2.2 inch wide cross country tires on there that I was riding for a while. And uh, it it was, well, I mean, it's a cross country bike. It's a hundred millimeter cross country bike. And I have some super light 1300 gram carbon wheels on there. So I thought I'd give it, give it a go, take it out. Um, and for that week I had, I mean, every ride, I had a handful of corners that were some of the most fun corners I've ever had in my life, like full on feet up drifts because the tires didn't have enough traction. I mean, they, it made, it made the rides, it made the week. You should try it, James. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're kind of back to like, it's the perception of speed. So what you've, you've discovered is that you can go three miles an hour and feel like you're going to die. It's like your car. I was seven, seven. miles an hour. Yeah, you with converted kilometers, seven kilometers an hour. So yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's like your it, mini. The, the vehicle you drive is a mini that's sketchy at any speeds. It's like the Ralph Nader. Yeah. yeah. So that... That was a Corvair. 
Yeah, but like the, the quote fits. Shitty suspension. Yeah, <laughs> the quote does fit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, you know, it is a perception of speed. So on a little bike, it's easier to feel like you're either going super fast or you you could find that limit more quickly. Which, like, yeah. I agree with you on that it's, point. You're right. It's a hundred percent. I could go out for twenty minutes in my car and I come back and I've, I haven't broken the speed limit, but I'm sweaty and sore and like, oh, I don't need to drive that for a few days. It's the same thing with little bikes. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for out of my vehicle. <laughs> yeah, it's practical. <laughs> Getting out of it and feeling sweaty so, and sore. That is my ears ringing. actually what I'm looking for out of a vehicle. And in the same way, you know, I do have, I'm lucky enough that I do have access to big bikes, but in the same way, that's what I'm looking for out of my mountain bike too. I want to go for a mountain bike ride and I want to have fun and go, holy crap, like, you know, that was amazing. That was awesome. And, and I find that I have that more on a short travel bike. Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't want to feel like I'm held back by my bike. So that's why I think I end up with a little bit longer travel bikes more often. And the ones I review tend mm-hmm. to be those ones. I still, like I said before, yeah. I love the shorter travel ones. When I'm in that mood, we've got some good kind of cross country, techie cross country stuff around here. I go ride that. But on my bigger, like rowdier trails, I don't want to have to be tiptoeing down or not being, you know, just feel sketchy. I don't like that. Yeah. I will say, I will admit as well too, that I have had lots of rides ruined from being on short travel bikes in places where I shouldn't have ridden them. And, you know, maybe something on the bike breaks because it's not meant for that style of terrain. Or maybe I eat shit and get hurt because obviously like the bike can't help me as much. So yeah, sometimes it bites me. I don't know. I kind of have a different, like I, this year anyways, I'm going to ride a bike that's not for 90% of the riding I do. I'm building up a Madonna as well. And so it's a like 160 29er enduro bike and that's probably too much bike for the majority of the riding I'll be doing. And I'm curious to see how that goes for me. I don't know. It is sort of designed at the 10% that I'm going to enjoy the most. So we'll see. I don't know. Ask me in a year um, how it goes. But I think I think I will. In, I'm never somebody who is invested in beating anybody else to the top. Like if that ship sailed, I'm, I'm not worried about it. But I'd like to feel pretty good when things are rowdy and yeah i think there's some merit to that even if it's just 10 percent. i think one cool thing now is that even just in the last you know five years we've talked about this before but your bikes that might have used to be considered little bikes you can do a lot more with them so i know mm-hmm. at the field tra- uh, field test last year when we were in whistler riding the bike park on our trail bikes you know we had the uh, orbea occam or the the pole or any of those sarah had the sarah had the trail pistol 120 yeah, mil bike. exactly you know some of that is a testament to uh, Whistler bike park trails are really well constructed, but still, you know, a while ago, we wouldn't have thought about taking that kind of bike into a bike park and had a good time. So it's, it's cool that you can get a shorter travel bike and still ride it in some, you know, pretty technical terrain. Yeah. It's definitely gone the other way as well too. So, I mean, that Enduro we have here or that 180 millimeter travel pole we had, or even that Deviate, those things climb incredibly well. They're relatively efficient, but also the handling is, you know, modern geometry has done some amazing things and they can climb up some pretty technical stuff these days. All right. So have we had any answers for people? Like what would you recommend people do if they, if in the comments or whatever, it's somebody goes, I ride 50% of the time it's rolling trail bike stuff. 30% of the time it's gnarly-ish enduro stuff. And I do do the occasional, you know, head down hammer fest with some XC friends. What do you recommend? No, no, I recommend nothing because there's no bike that does all that. Yeah. No, of course not. But where, where do you recommend they focus their their? Yeah, I think for a potential. lot of people, it's going to end up being those kind of like mid travel bikes that are out there. You know that between like 130 to 150 millimeters of rear travel, and 
same front travel, and then you just got to pick where you how you want to build up and what your specialties are. I have a simpler answer to that question. Buy the bike that you're going to have the most fun on. Don't listen to me telling you to not buy enough bike. Don't listen to Casimir telling you you need a downhill bike. You don't need a downhill bike. Nobody actually does. Actually, don't. No one should buy <laughs> downhill bikes because the, Definitely. Cause the yeah. girl bikes are so good now. Your downhill bike. Yeah. I mean, they're still fun though. So you should buy. Really, the answer is just buy multiple bikes. Because <laughs> if you just have your super, I mean, industry shit. Yeah, I know it, right? Industry shit. But like my <laughs> ideal quiver would be to have like a kind of light duty trail bike and then a bigger, heavier duty enduro bike, and then you have the best of both worlds. But then you're also out a lot more money. So if, if you have three bikes, if you buy three bikes, each one of you guys, if you buy three bikes, what categories are they? I'll have like a Scott Spark, like a super crazy light XC thing, and then I'll have like a norco optic-y trail bike thing and then like a big smasher like the enduro but no downhill bike no the, the enduro is not a downhill bike no you wouldn't have. oh uh, no i wouldn't because uh, that enduro would be oh. just fine in the bike park. so three just three bikes yeah. levy i think i'd actually, probably do actually sorry let's do james first <laughs> yeah. james three bikes no <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm liking my graveling i think i'd have a gravel bike i think um yeah and i'd follow cars in like a, a shorter travel trail bike and a, a something enduro-y as well Maybe. My turn now. Yeah, I would definitely have I would definitely have some sort of XC silliness and I would have some sort of six inch thing and I would have a gravel bike. I mean I don't uh, I don't think you need anything else. <laughs> but you don't even need you, gravel. So what would what would your XC be? So you'd you would skip the trail bike category. You'd go from XC race. Well, well my XC, down country ish. Yeah. Yeah, my XC bike would be like a 120 ish or something like that. Like it would be a trail bike and then, but it would have like 1200 gram wheels on it. <laughs> Slick tires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No bar ends though, motherfuckers. <laughs> you get those little things for your thumbs, the thummies or whatever they call yeah. them. Yeah, they actually have yeah. some carbon yeah. togs. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Do they, are they good? Is that a no, thing? No, I've never for... put them on. Okay. <laughs> I have I... seen aero bars at the BC bike race though. Ooh. Oh yeah, I hope yeah. you should There's do the fire road. <laughs> do you just draft behind people instead? Mountain bikers don't know how to draft. No. <laughs> yeah. No. That's a weird one. I think I'd do uh I guess yeah, I would do a gravel bike. That's not a mountain bike. If you could have three mountain yeah. bikes. Yeah. You don't need You're three right mountain bikes. It kinda is a mountain well, bike. Well no one though. needs three mountain bikes. We're just this is like dreamland <clears throat> for people. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'd say a gravel bike is a mountain bike. It's just got drop bars. It's just an XC bike. It's a rigid XC mountain bike with drop bars. I rode one. I rode my gravel bike in the mountains recently. So therefore, it's a mountain bike. There you go. It, they're sketchy down trails. I've taken that <laughs> BMC down some things, and I'm like, ah. This is, <laughs> but again, this makes, isn't right. <laughs> it makes a super shitty trail feel pretty exciting. Yeah, talk about being yeah. under biked, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I would go straight to that sort of 120 130 tall boy ish place i guess i'd say yeah and a big enduro bike i almost wouldn't bother with the tall boy ish thing and i'd almost consider getting a fun short travel bike like a bit more of a jibby thing that's what the tall boy specialized stuff no but i'd get small wheels oh because you're short yeah yeah but also because i'd want to do like car park bullshit and like relearn how to do foot plants and dumb shit why? I don't know. I want to see a video of you relearning. Please send me a video okay. of you relearning. Okay. Hey. Okay. If I, what can we do? Uh, I'll, I'll go learn some foot plants again. Uh, like grass bank foot plants and shit. What will you do? I'll go do some intervals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. <laughs> I never had. You're going to do that anyway. I really have foot plants in my repertoire. So what do you got? What did you have in your arsenal in your glory? Yeah, I've got a mean one hander. It's still there. I can do one handers all oh, day man. long. <laughs> okay. Levy, what are you doing? Oh shit. Glory I like days. to get my Glory. manuals back. 
if we're talking about getting stuff back, I used to be able to manual really well, but then riding a different bike every week has completely wrecked that. <laughs> We've got a manual machine for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't need those. No, I'd rather fall on my ass. One time I looped out, couldn't unclip out of my HT pedals, and I had a huge park rusty multi-tool, you know the one, yeah. <laughs> in my in my center bib pocket. Uh-huh. I looped out in a manual, landed on it. I had to go to the hospital. I had to sleep on my stomach for a week. <laughs> There's still, that was four years ago. There's still a big bump there. That's why I use a fan of that uh, Kushkor uh, tire lever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, so that is all for episode six of the Pink Bike Podcast. Next week, you're going to hear all about Casimir's one-handers and my manuals and Brian's foot plants. Uh, do you like to be overbiked or would you prefer to be underbiked? Let us know in the comments below. Also, what questions do you guys want us to answer? Put them down there and we'll get to them. Some of them. Some of them, not all of them. And only the mountain bike-related ones, for sure. <laughs> but definitely ask us lots of non-bike-related questions, too. All right, world. See you next week.